0: Coming up on today's Compassion Radio.
1: We often view each other as unclean. I'm clean, but you're not clean. You're just different. What Christ demonstrates in the gospel is servant leadership. You lead by serving all the way up into the cross. I honestly believe the tangible answer is you have to actually interact with people who don't look like yourself. Mm.
0: people look at you as honest, strong, kind, suspicious, dangerous? Well, if I'm going to be painfully honest, as a person who grew up in the culture that I did, the very last thing I would think of if you asked me that question would be, people see me as white. It even sounds weird just saying it. Yet, for millions of people in this country, the color of their skin is the very first thing they have to deal with when they step out in the world. So I'll simply ask a much more important question. What does God see when He looks at us? And are we willing to emulate Him? Aaron and Stacey Jackson are back for one more program full of impact and frank honesty that only people with their experience, grace, and faith can pull off. If you've heard any of our earlier programs in the series, you know how generous and godly they are and how ready and willing they are to meet everyone right where they are, no conditions. You know, kind of like Jesus. Thank you, friends, for spending the next half hour with us at the table of peace in the sanctuary of God's kingdom. We're back for one last day to talk with Aaron and Stacy Jackson, the couple that have inspired us and led us and served us as a family for many years. We've been talking a lot about what it's like to be black in America. And frankly, we need to learn more about this. Mm-hmm. And not just because it's politically expedient, but because God's been stirring in our hearts. You need to know your neighbors. And we haven't always treated the Jacksons like our neighbors, like we depend upon them. They have been that for us even when we weren't asking for it. But we have not been that to you like we should have, and we have apologized to you directly about that. But we are coming before you humbly to ask for your help in this because we need our Compassion Radio family to learn along with us. What's really going on for our evangelical family, especially people we say we stand with as our group of people that just in your case happen to be black and have lived in many multiracial situations, church-wise, in schools and occupations, and in Aaron's work in technology, places that are predominantly white are still very, very white. We're coming back to talk about those things in the context of what it's like to be a family. We talked about the threats to your sons. Mm -hmm. and right now it's a dangerous world out there, Mm -hmm. and all you can do at this point is trust what you invested and how God sealed it on their hearts and how his angels protect, Mm -hmm. but you still have to confess your unbelief to God from day to day so you can trust him.
2: I think about the things that I see happening in the lives of your sons, and when you post things on social media and we have a little bit of a dialogue back and forth. I just have thought so often how I don't have to have those conversations with my children. I don't have to tell my sons, keep your hands on the steering wheel visible. Don't reach for your ID. Don't stare them down. I don't even know what the conversations are that you have to have with your sons. But I think about that because our oldest son is out and about you know, on his own, and I don't fear for him in that way.
0: Even at times that he's run across corrupt cops as well and been charged for things that didn't happen.
2: But there wasn't a fear that I had that he wasn't going to come home. Yeah, there was
3: no fear for his life. Yeah, Yeah,
2: that as a white, middle-class American woman, I want to get across. I want people to understand. We don't understand those conversations as a white family. We don't have those conversations. What is it like to have that conversation with your sons?
1: There's a genuine concern. Desmond was our late blooming kind of waking up child, meaning he was in society with no real problems, and then one day began to realize I'm black in America. Mm-hmm. I remember posting recently about Ahmad Arbery, mm-hmm. and it is the first time I have seen him struck with so much emotion mm-hmm. about a situation because it was for him the very first time he began to really understand and realize. There was nothing, there is no situation where you're okay, Mm -hmm. right? He saw himself in Ahmaud Arbery, a man running down the street trying to get away, and he saw himself in it. What are those conversations like? Be brutally honest. You can't imagine just how many different ways you have to say to your child, put your hands on the steering wheel. Son, I told you earlier, I know you're a CHL. Do you not have your firearm with you? Please don't have it with you in the car. Don't put yourself in a position where anything can happen. If you have a police officer who stops you, do not consent to a search. There are case after case. What we hear is, well, if he had done this, he'd still be alive. If he had done this, he would still be alive. If he had done this, he would still be alive. And the list goes on and on and on. And there are compiled lists now. It's sad that so many black families where the answers are, there isn't anything you can do everything you do. A man was shot in his backyard for having a cell phone. You end up saying to yourself, son, I don't know what more to tell you. Mm -hmm. Do everything you can to protect yourself. Do everything you can to avoid a situation. But at the end of the day, when we talked about being pulled over multiple times. I told her, I said, if we don't get him out of this car, they're going to kill him. Mm. They're going to kill him. I remember I called Donovan and I said, bring the car home I do not care what you have to say. We are going to sell it. We're going to get you something else. I won't watch you die for that reason. That is the kind of conversation I don't like having.
2: But it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary.
3: And the sad part is it's not a conversation that you have when they're 10 or 11 years old. These are conversations you start having with your children when they're like five. Mm -hmm. Wow. You start having these conversations of, well, mom, why can't I? And you're trying to explain to a five-year-old or a six-year-old.
0: Why something is dangerous.
3: Why something is dangerous. And developmentally, Mm -hmm. they can't process that. They just see, oh, I'm going to go be with my friend. They're cute. That's the thing. Little black boys, oh, he's so cute. He's, oh, when he's little. But that same little black boy, when he turns 12, and he's standing almost six feet tall, is now a threat. And you look at him as a man. And I'm just like, he's a 13-year-old boy. He's not a man by any stretch of the imagination. But when certain members of society see him, he went from this cute little kid to this threatening being. Mm -hmm. So we have to have those conversations from when they're little
1: and we almost get the opposite response which is well you're teaching them to be fearful and run around the short answer is we have to teach them early i don't think that's conditioning i think that it is doing everything you need to to make your children aware you know life is going to view you in a specific kind of view and lens and you have to do what you have to do because if you don't the consequences are grave mm-hmm.
3: the consequences, safety the consequences are deadly to, to
1: see a young child 8 years old Dragged out of a convenience store like he's a threat. He's an eight-year-old child. I saw a cop take the child out of the store, slam him against the vehicle, and you go, "This doesn't have to happen." That's how you're viewed—threat—and we're going to deal with him. And that's what I hit the pause button here for one
0: second because I need to remind our listeners, the audience that's listening to this program, will be predominantly white, many small communities all across America, predominantly evangelical. And there is a large percentage, as you know full well, of white evangelicals that just look back at the story and say, no, no, it's not that bad. What they're seeing has got to be an aberration. There is no systemic racism. It's not that bad. And they hang on that thought unchallenged. I need to remind the people that feel that or thinking that very thought as the story has been going on, that the Jacksons that we're sitting with today are part of you. Mm. This is not some other outside testimony coming into this camp. These are evangelical people that love Jesus, that are telling you what it's like to be black in this culture that includes the evangelical church in America. I'm not saying it as an indictment. I'm saying it as a wake-up call. Hear your own
1: people tell this story and take it seriously. Mm. It's an emotional topic, right? And it's easy to go on different paths. One of the hard parts is when we're in the church and we're talking to other congregation members. You know, the irony is in great mixed companies, there's a striation of white people, there's a striation of, of Asian people, Latinos. Um, and we're all having a great fellowship, only to find out that the minute I get outside of church, the minute I'm outside of the walls, that I'm treated differently by the same people who I was treated well inside the church, that's the kind of concerning thing where where I wonder what's happening in our faith because it can't just be on Sunday or on Wednesday when your Bible study or when your small group meets. You can't just be the body of Christ on those days and Mm times. When I see you in the grocery store, when I see you out at the gas station, I don't expect for you to turn around and become a completely different person who looks at me like I am just something you couldn't talk to in public any way, shape, or form. That, to me, is, is what I want people to see. I'm concerned that what we see on Sunday is the facade, mm-hmm. and that what we see every other day is the reality. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to one pastor and saying, you have an opportunity to say, God may have created different tribes. He may have created striations, but you're still the same in the gift of Christ. We have exactly the same equitable endowment.
0: And you all were offered the same entrance into the kingdom as heirs of that kingdom, not as just servants. So because we are heirs of Christ, then we inherit all of the power and authority he has. And of course, he said to his disciples, the greatest among you shall serve you and be the least. Watch me. I dare you to follow me where I'm going. And the greatest among us did that very thing. When you have a leader, when you have a a prince of peace, when you have a king for your kingdom that leads on his knees and stretches out his arms, not because he wants to just hug you, but because he knows that when he stretches out his arms, they're going to get nailed. When it happens, there's no going back. When God founds his kingdom on that action, and we treat the sanctuary of the living God like it's a country club, I have no idea what we could possibly say to him on the day of reckoning. Here in Stacey, I'm depending upon you to get us out of this segment and tell us what we need to know in the evangelical church that's going to bring about repentance. We don't just need to have more laws that protect people and classes and identities, as if the law will make us moral people. We need a revival. I don't know that I have any good words for it, so help me. Our country has
1: more than the country.
0: Our world
3: has a heart condition, Mm -hmm. and Jesus Christ is the remedy for that heart condition. And if we as Christians, as Christ followers, truly had the heart of Christ, who came down from up high to pay a debt that he didn't owe for one that we could never repay, truly looked at one another the way he sees us, the world would be a much better place. But it starts in the heart of changing how you view others, not just, oh, you're white or you're black or you're gay or you're this or you're that, but just being the embodiment Of Christ and loving one another unconditionally the way God loves us. And not sitting in your pulpit going, now that doesn't have anything to do with us. It has everything to do with you. When one is treated badly, you should all be upset.
0: Friends, before we jump back to today's interview, I just want to remind you that Compassion Radio is a communications ministry, and it depends on the faithful support of you to keep bringing inspiring stories to the air each day. Our vision partners support us monthly with gifts, large and small, and make it possible for us to take you to the very front lines of faith. Whether you join our vision team or make a one-time gift, thank you for believing in and standing by this ministry. We're here to bring you real good news in every situation. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478 to make your gift. You can also text the word compassion to 53445 to give right through your phone or visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. Thank you, friends, for everything you've done and what you'll do today. We love you. And now, back to the interview.
3: Just being the embodiment of Christ... And loving one another unconditionally, the way God loves us. And not sitting in your pulpit going, no, that doesn't have anything to do with us. It has everything to do with you. When one is treated badly, you should all be upset. Like a family, when someone hurts your family, you protect your family. You stand up for your family. You address something when it's wrong. When something is wrong, sometimes you have to stand up and be courageous Mm -hmm. when you don't feel like you have the courage. That starts with your heart and looking and loving people for who they are and who they are in God. I
1: was thinking as you were talking about that, about two things. One is the feast prepared in Galatians and the fact that nothing placed before you is unclean. And I think that is often how we view each other, as unclean. That I'm clean, but you're not clean. You're gay, you're black, you're Latino, you're you're just different, right? What Christ demonstrates in the gospel is servant leadership. That you lead by serving all the way up into the cross. Mm -hmm. What is it that we miss? If he was here and could say, this is what my church is not doing. Heart is absolutely right. How do you fix that? I honestly believe the tangible answer to that is you have to actually interact with people who don't look like yourself, Mm -hmm. who don't believe all the same things you do. I believe Jesus would at least say to us, you need to serve with each other take some time. Get out of your walls and, and get out of that Sunday service and go to another church that doesn't look like you. Go serve with them. Go serve them. And likewise, it doesn't mean that's just a white congregation going. And it means that black congregation, go and visit your, your brothers in, in that white congregation. Go serve with them. Get out in, in the ministry because that's how you break down those problems of He's just like me. She's just like me. Mm -hmm. What I see is we just have these initial reactions where we look at people and we make judgment calls because they're different. And God says, I will show you how to break down that heart problem. You're going to serve and you're going to serve together. When you serve together, you will grow to understand not just your differences, but where you are alike in me. Church, the big C church is largely what I think we're missing. We got lots of little small C churches. Mm-hmm. There's far too many small C churches with blacks, small C churches with Latinos, small C churches with, with white people, and not enough church with all of us.
2: I think the thing that all those years ago began to solidify the friendship that our families enjoy mm-hmm. was that we served together. Mm-hmm.
1: We ate together,
2: we were in each other's homes and our children played together and we enjoyed the fellowship together and then went out and served in our community together. It bonded us in a way Mm -hmm. that we were more alike than different in those times, thinking about how our friendship just developed through that time and the laughter and the food and all of the fun and the study in God's word together. I think the thing that we miss so often, is like what you were saying, Erin. we focus on how different we are, maybe because of where we were raised, our skin color, our preference for this kind of food or that kind of food or this kind of worship or that kind of worship. When we focus on our differences, then we miss out on how similar we really are. Yes, And we begin to see each other as different. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be colorblind to not see who you are. I want to see your blackness and celebrate it because you bring so much to me that I never knew about culture, about anything. you. know.
0: But I don't want to do it at the expense of celebrating Christ in you.
2: Absolutely. I, there are a
0: lot of times where we think we've done some kind of service by actually keeping ourselves away from each other, by mm-hmm. saying, oh, well, you're different in this way. I really like that about you.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not me, but I like that about you. And then we never go to the next step and say, but we both got Jesus, mm-hmm. and Jesus is doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to see what Jesus is doing in you, because that's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And if we focus in on what he's doing, everywhere he's to be found, we discover a whole different level of Aaron and Stacey and Pam
1: and Sandy that only he could build.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Angel food was an example where members remember, exactly. I remember I that. And I remember people from all kinds of backgrounds would serve. All kinds of backgrounds would come yeah. and and it's one of those places where there's nothing more than I love than watching people who've got that face on and the smile and they're talking and they're laughing and they're sharing, right?
0: Now, that, for those who don't know what Angel Food was, it was a ministry that was focused on food distributions and a kind of like a membership program. Mm-hmm. Even churches would sponsor many of these programs for people who couldn't afford them. Food Others, insecurity.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Food
0: insecurity issues were being dealt with that way. And then other people in the church were allowed to be part of it to receive mm-hmm. by subscription the, mm-hmm. the foods that were being donated through the system. And they were really high quality goods for very little money. But it required a very large volunteer staff to do it. Yep. And there could not have been a more token grouping of people <laughs> from our own church to rep- make sure that every single ethnic group in our church was represented it was in that organizational committee that was part of that and we had a great time doing it yes, yes we, we did. did and we that drank a was, lot of hot coffee and the cold mornings <laughs> yes
3: that was those were good times yeah.
0: but precisely to your point we right. say that as an exemplary virtue because we lived it and god was gracious to us to give us that experience to serve together and not just serve ourselves but through
1: us to be serving the greater body. I remember when we used to unload the trucks at the core meeting spot. It was one of the few times where you saw churches from all kinds of congregations come together and work for an hour or so just to get all that together. And this was even before it went out. And I just wish we saw more of that because that was that one place where you got to see the big Mm. Mm -hmm.
0: I cannot express my gratitude more to you for opening up your hearts and lives after these many years apart from us. We all know that we're in a chapter, especially in 2020, where the othering of people is so dangerous and so obvious that even the evangelicals are being goaded on to look at others as less than Mm -hmm. and to be self-righteous about it and think they're doing God a favor by doings. It's a great lie, and it's a dangerous one. I think evangelicals of true character and integrity can stand up and say, wait a minute, this is not Jesus. We don't go out there and slam other people for being different than us, for not having the same opportunities we started with, for not being entitled like we are. We have got to be stepping back across the line into kingdom territory and saying god as our king what do you want not just what our culture is tolerating or promoting right now
3: mm-hmm.
0: you're reaching people and you intend to reach every single tongue tribe ethnicity color that's on this planet and you're going to use the people you got to do it it's not going to happen by itself so, thank you for guiding us back into the path of compassion, my friends. And may continue to grow. And may He keep your sons safe as they go about living a Christ like life, especially in dangerous times like this. Aaron Stacy Jackson, thank you so much for spending this time with us on Compassion Radio. Thank, thank you,
3: you Brian. Thank you, Sandy.
0: I hope you've been inspired by the living and vibrant faith of Aaron and Stacy Jackson. And I hope you really heard their heart even more than their truthful words. I urge you to keep praying with us that this kind of spirit and ethic of love that you've seen in their story is something that God will replant in the hearts of his church today if we're really honest we all know this world needs much more genuine Jesus not more self-righteousness it's not easy but it is possible
1: The Lamb upon His throne
0: Hark how the heavenly anthem derives A music but its own I Wake my soul and sing of Him who died for me And hail the matchless King through all
3: Him with many crimes. crown him the Lord of peace, whose power has us away from pole to pole that the wars may cease, absorbed in prayer.
0: Rain shall know no wind And round his pierced feet Fair flowers of paradise Extend the fragrance Of the sweet Yeah ever sweet
1: Crowning the Medica The level.
0: So much to be thankful for, even in hard times. Right now, I'm very thankful for you. Your gift of time each day is a genuine treasure to us. Knowing that you're being challenged to live out your faith like never before is a wonderful encouragement to us as well. I hope you'll take time today to drop us a note through our website or by email. You can reach me directly at the following address. Bram Floria at CompassionRadio.com However you reach out, know that we're in this ministry and this work for you and because of you. Just call or write us today to help keep us on the air and in the field. Call 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877 and jump in anytime at CompassionRadio.com. We're waiting for you, friends. Hop on board.